Hello and welcome to Silencing Women in the Name of God. I'm Devery Alice. Today I brought back on Sonia. Woo! Uh, if you guys remember, Sonia and I actually already have recorded an episode and it was just wonderful. I find her delightful. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that episode, please go back, um, listen to her story, her um, faith crisis, her spiritual awakening, her... I mean, I'm going to call it a dark night of the soul, but it was it was very dark, um, deep, deep depression. And uh, yes, definitely check that out. But she posted something on social media about a list that had been sent to the seminary students for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, if you're not Mormons, the seminary students in that church are uh, 12, not, wait, what's the age? Oh, no, I'm going to mess it up. High schoolers. Um, so high school students... And it's not like an adult training program. Uh, but the, the church had released questions on like, how do I know if this is of God? And it was a terribly toxic list. And Sonia wrote up this beautiful uh, statement piece on it. And I was like, will you please come back on? And I want to just have a conversation between the two of us where we just go back and forth on, on what we're seeing here, what the toxicity is, why this is a problem. And she graciously agreed. So we had a, a lovely conversation about the underlying uh, toxicity, the underlying um you know, gaslighting and, and so many toxic behaviors that are happening here. So this will be something that you will see in all churches, though, not just the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I think it's very applicable. And I hope you guys not only enjoy it, but that you can see a little deeper into some of these systems, um, maybe than you did before. So sit back, enjoy, and thank you all so much for being here. Sonia. Hello, Devry. How are you? I'm so great and so happy to see you. Oh, thank you. I was so, I'm happy to see your face mm -hmm. makes me so happy. It's just kindness in like human form for real. Oh, like when I see you, you, it's just kindness in human form. Um, so for those of you who are joining us today, um, if Sonia's name or, or voice sounds familiar, uh, we did just release an episode with Sonia. Um, I think it was two weeks was, I don't know, two weeks ago, four weeks ago. It doesn't matter because this will not be released anywhere near the time frame that I'm saying. So uh, Sonia does have an episode that I highly recommend everybody listen to, and it's her story. And she was very vulnerable, very transparent about some very difficult topics. And so I highly recommend you all watch it, especially if you or someone you know is going through severe depression, mental struggles, um, suicidal ideations as a result of this faith transition, highly recommend. Um, but I love, I mentioned in that, uh, episode and in that setup, how much I have loved Sonia's Instagram page because it's just inspiring and everything that she says is so wonderful. 
And so she had posted something the other day about some very problematic questions that she saw popping up within seminary, uh, which for those of you who are not Mormon um, is the place where we send our teenagers <laughs> when they're the most impressionable uh, during school hours, sometimes, sometimes before school, depending on where you live, to get religious instruction side by side with their high school education. Um, and so we're going to go through this list of questions that she threw up uh, and we're going to talk about why they're problematic, why they're damaging, what we're seeing here. And then we're also going to talk about some better ways to approach things with teenagers and um, the difference in wording, which is like makes such a huge difference. So I am really excited. So today is just going to be me and Sonia just talking and it's going to be excellent. Okay. So do you, before I start listing these questions, do you have any setup like you want to offer about like how you felt when you saw these or like, where do you think we should start? Yeah. With well, I just, I was just scrolling through Instagram one day and I saw a post where somebody had listed, like, these are the questions given this week to my child in seminary to help them sort of discern um, new information that's coming into them uh, specifically about the church. Mm. And I, as I read through the questions, like I just, um, I, it made me really sad and really concerned, um, especially for the youth. I have a, a deep love for the youth of the world and of the church. I worked with them a lot. Mm -hmm. And I just thought at a time when it's already so confusing and they, I know a lot of youth are struggling with this, um, with, with some cognitive dissonance there themselves. Like I have several of them that, that come to me and talk to me about it. And then to throw in questions like this, it just mm -hmm. was so concerning. And when we go through the questions, we can talk more about why. But that, yeah. when I first read it, I immediately was like, oh, no. And one thing that I have to do that I do for myself as part of my reconstruction is to just kind of rewrite, um, to take something that seems concerning to me and I flip it into something more beautiful and true mm -hmm. to me. And so um, I yeah. love that. I love that because when you start to deconstruct, it is, it's like you had a mountain beneath you and it just mm -hmm. got jerked out mm -hmm. and now there is nothing and you were just falling forever. Mm -hmm. And it's a very uncomfortable place to be. And mm -hmm. so what you're doing is you're actively rebuilding that mountain beneath you so that you don't get lost in that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Which is an okay yeah. place to stand and necessary for oh, a yeah. while. And I was there um, for a long Very time. necessary. Yeah. Yeah, but you're starting to rebuild it with, okay, I'm going to take out this pile of rubble that is harming me, and I'm going to replace it with something that feels true and authentic and good to me. Yes, I just want to recreate and rewrite and reimagine. Um, often I will rewrite things as what I wish the church would do, and I will mm -hmm. sometimes get responses like, the church is never going to do that. And I say, I know but I still want to imagine as though it were so just even for my younger self, like when right. I was a teenager, like what would I have wanted to hear and what do I want to teach my, I have three teenagers. So I just rewrite it as though I were a seminary teacher and I was going to teach these youth, like how to discern information. And so, 
Yeah. Which I love because what you're doing is you're setting down a compare and contrast, even for people who are like, oh, the church will never do that. And you're right. They're not going to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd say this goes for many, many churches out there. Some might start to waver, but a lot of them are very solid on on the points they're not going to move on. But your Instagram platform, like what it's doing is it's laying it down anyway so that people can come across it and compare and contrast emotional states that they're feeling Mm -hmm. when they read both sides of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a really important step into authenticity and sovereignty, which you mentioned a couple of times. Well, not a you mentioned a lot in your posts, which is part yeah. of why I love them so much. So, okay, let's look at, oh, and I want to make the point that this, this post you saw from this woman, this was not a negative post. This was like, look at these amazing things, right? That yeah. my child is being taught in seminary. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So the Mormon church, the LDS church, um, sent out a manual, uh, and really what they're trying to do here is they're trying to get in front of problems, mm-hmm. <laughs> particularly problems like us mm-hmm. and TikTok. Um, so first question, what did I feel from the Holy Ghost when I read or heard this information? So Sonia, I will let you go first on all of these questions on like mm-hmm. what your problem okay. is that you see with this. And then I will, I'll just jump in. Well, this, this one Oh, I just think back to when I was a teenager (laughs) and my, the thing that I would like sit with the most, there was a lot of things I sat with the most, but I had this terrible fear of, is this feeling I'm having or this inspiration I'm receiving or this message I'm feeling coming through inside of me? Is it me or is it the Holy Ghost? And one was myself, which I could not trust. And one was the Holy Ghost, which was the messenger of God, which was the right one I needed to follow. So for me, like as a, even like all through, throughout my life as a, as a Mormon, I just would go back and forth with, if this is just me talking, I'm not really interested in that voice. I want to know what God wants me to do. And so I was always trying to determine the difference between the two. And so I, and when I was, um, as an adult, I got asked to speak a handful of times at a couple of girls camps or youth conferences or other a stake meeting. And the number one thing that I would, I would ask the bishops who would ask me to speak, like, what is the number one question of the youth? And it was similar to that. It was like, how do mm. we de- determine if it's the Holy Ghost or if it's us? And so I just think I felt my own inner teenager having that, like, what is the Holy Ghost? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? How do I know it's God? And how do I know it's just me? Because my thoughts are going to be the bad ones and not the good ones. And they're probably going to lead me astray. So how do I know if it's just myself or God? And so that, that's what it brought up for me was immediately those feelings of I'm torn. How do I know which voice? And that there's these multiple voices and one is out to get me. And one is trying to lead me in the right way. And the one that's trying to get me is my own. And so th- always, that's right. I, like yeah. it, mm-hmm. it can't be a warning. It can't, because we aren't set up like that. It's not yeah. set up like if you feel bad, then that's the Holy Ghost telling you, mm-hmm. you know, you should go a different direction. Um, other verbiage for other religions would be the spirit, the spirit mm-hmm. of God, you know, all of those things. Yeah. Um, Holy Spirit. And so that is, and I think when we're in a state of confusion, we're the easiest to manipulate. Mm-hmm. And the church does, this is what gets me with this question, is that they really like to lean on this 
um, again, all religions like to lean on this, like, oh, but it's, it's the spirit, it's the spirit of God, it's the Holy Ghost, you can trust it, blah, blah, blah. But if you, if a youth goes to a, a bishop and says, the Holy Ghost, let me know that this church isn't true or that the prophet isn't acting in a way that I feel a prophet should act or whatever. The church has, will, and will continue to tell youth and adults, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're wrong because yes, me too. Mm -hmm. Because the, because God would never tell you that because the church is true. So God would never tell you that the church isn't true. So you aren't actually hearing the Holy ghost, which then spins you into exactly what you're describing Mm -hmm. of, Oh my God, that's my voice and I'm bad and I'm not to be trusted. Well, and I even had a Bishop tell me when I like went with that same verbatim concern And the bishop said to me um, that same thing, like, you're wrong. You're listening to the wrong voice was the words, the actual words. You are listening. And this is actually, I was an adult. You are listening to the wrong voice. And what your next prayer needs to be is, Heavenly Father, please help me accept the answer, even if it's something I don't want to hear. Oh, my God. And so then I was instructed to go pray that I would that that I was listening to myself and I just didn't want to hear the truth, which was to match the prophets. And so now I needed right. to go and pray really hard that I could humble myself enough to accept the real truth, which is what the prophets were saying. So yeah. you see, it's just really it's confusing. Very, yeah. It's, well, it's confusing and it's also toxic because it's yeah. it's teaching you not to trust yourself from the start unless what you're receiving is lining up exactly with what they've already taught you. And so then that throws, it it throws people into the shame cycle, Mm -hmm. into the self-hatred cycle. It makes people more susceptible. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I will say, and I I may lose people with this and that's okay because someone might need this, but I didn't really understand. So for me, I relabeled that box, the Holy Ghost, as intuition Mm -hmm. um because i i think personally intuition really is technically coming from a higher power in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. like i said many people may not track that and that's fine but like i didn't understand i grew up with this concept of the holy ghost acting as kind of a director Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand how to distinguish between that and my own inner voice Mm -hmm. until I was well into my Mm -hmm. Mm thirties. I finally realized what the difference was for me. And this is still how I go forward, but I almost never hear people talk about this, which makes me think that a lot of people still have not figured it out. So I'm going to throw this out here and I want you to tell me what you think about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And then if it's a disaster, we'll just be like, people move along, move along. (laughs) Nothing is here. Um, So what I realized for me is, yeah, the only, when I know, when it's actually intuition and I know that it's intuition, my brain, like my mind can be screaming in panic of like, I don't know how I can do this and this is going to work. And oh my God, or, or what if the church isn't true or, or I should move or like whatever panic thing. And the intuition does not happen in my mind very often. It's usually in my, in my gut. And it is the calmest, most sure knowing that does not make sense. Cause my brain is still screaming. Like it's, it almost is always an opposition of what my brain is doing. Like my brain's like, this is ridiculous. This is a terrible idea. And everything else in me is just calm 
and still in an inexplicable way that makes no logical sense. And it is solid as a rock. Mm -hmm. And like when that happens, I'm like, oh, oh, that's my intuition happening. Mm -hmm. But if I am getting feelings, I'm putting quotations around Mm -hmm. things. If I'm getting feelings and thoughts and all it is, is spin, 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 anxiety, anxiety, spin, spin, spin. Like that's not intuition in my body, mm-hmm. but we aren't taught how to actually do that. We're only taught how to conform. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts around that? Very similar. And I would even say to those people who may not, may feel some discomfort with a higher power is speaking through us. I always just mm-hmm. call it my highest self. Like yeah. I have a higher self and I have kind of this ego self and mm-hmm. I would, I call intuition like, and I do believe like we are in flow with some, something. And if my higher self is in touch with that and my intuition um, is very similar and I've, it's taken a lot of practice. I remember even after, so after I went through my complete demolishing of everything, like it felt like I didn't have anything to do with it. Somebody just came with a sledgehammer and destroyed it all. I sat in darkness for a long time and then I started to come out of it and light started to come and like knowledge and information just started to kind of flow through me. And I remember at one point I was sitting out in my backyard and I was like, God, is that you? Who's speaking to you? I was like, because it felt like before, like I was always looking for an answer outside of myself. It was coming from out here, Uh... up, like somewhere up. And all of a sudden it felt like everything was starting to flow inside of me. And I can't explain, right. it's hard to explain with words. Like I always felt impressions yeah. inside of me. I always got like a warm feeling in my bosom. Like they would explain, like I did, I do still get that. But um, it always felt like, and I think it was just my perception. It's coming from somewhere outside. And suddenly everything seemed to like, it felt like there was nothing outside me. It was just all coming from some deep, deep place inside of me, I had not yet discovered, but I was starting to like dive into. And I remember just sitting there and going, God, is it you? Is it Jesus? Who's? And I said, Holy Ghost. And then I remember in that moment, I just realized it was me. And mm. I cel- I, I had this celebration. It was all inside of me because I was out in public, but I was like, it's me. It was always yeah. me. It mm-hmm. every single time. I could have trusted myself because it was always me. And I've heard some other people described as like, we are all like an extension of God. If Mm -hmm, you use that mm -hmm. word, like I I still use that word just to describe that whatever it is that we're all connected to. It's just love, um, wisdom, beauty. I don't know. But I, that was always flowing through me, but I, but it did have a lot of barriers to it. But anyways, I remember just having this celebration where I realized it was always me. I could have, I always, and I just, it just was like, it came like there's all these voices and it just like came right inside. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not talking to Jesus. I'm not talking to a white bearded man in the sky. Who's my dad. I am not talking to a ghost. I am communing with the highest version of myself that is been that I I'm embodying, you know what I mean? So I love, I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Cause I, we've talked before, like this line of thinking, which is very rooted in spirituality Mm -hmm. is not always well received. And so Mm -hmm. it's difficult to be again, vulnerable in that area. So thank you. But I also, as you were talking all of a sudden, I'm sure you saw my face like the, Oh my God face. Cause I was like, how beautiful is it 
that for the whole time when you were in church looking for the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. that you the biggest fear you had was that it was you. And then the greatest realization you had and the most freeing was, oh, my God, it is actually me. And you know, you see what I'm saying here? Yes. Like it's the same answer. But because the church had set it up one way, it became destructive. Mm -hmm. And when you freed yourself from that, you could see the beauty in that. And it became your salvation. Like that's just it did beautifully poetic. Well, and like like you said, like my. I call it, what do I call it? Inner critic. I have this inner critic ego, you know, my self-doubt. That's never going to go away. And so now it's for me, I've I've spent a lot of time trying to determine my inner critic with my higher self. And it's very similar to yours. Like when I'm speaking with, from that flow of love and beauty within me, from my highest self, it's calm. And it's so empowering. When I, when I am, and, and I usually have to be in like a calm, like, that's why meditation has been so great for me, but you need to be still and calm and regulated. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But um, when I'm in that state, like I will walk out of that just knowing like fully, like, and it's just so empowering and loving and it just, it's energy giving. Do you know what I mean? And then my inner critic will come in and try to talk me out of it to protect me. Like, Oh, you should never, you know, I'm, I'm learning the difference, but one is frantic, panicky, urgent. Yep. One is calm, empowering, and loving and has nothing yes. but nice things to say to me. And it's just, it's been such a, it's been such a fun journey to try to sort through that and figure it out. And of course I still am, but it's been really fun yeah. to, to just learn that these are, these are in me. And even my, the voice inside of me, that's can sometimes be harsh and mean and just trying to protect me. I've been learning how to love that too. And just realizing that is also me trying to protect me from pain I've had. So it's, it's been a really fun journey. It's hard. It's hard to navigate mm-hmm. um, where you're at right now. I have been there and I still slip back into there and mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's tricky. It's mm-hmm. super, super tricky. But the, yeah, the calmness is always my indicator, especially mm-hmm. when the calmness makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. Like with this podcast, it was so funny because the idea came through when I was meditating. It wasn't even an idea. It was like a checklist. Like it was like, okay, now it will be this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And my brain immediately like, like almost aloud, I was like, oh, that is a terrible idea. Absolutely terrible. I do not want to do this. Yeah. And then everything else was like, but yes, we are <laughs> like we, and it's going to be I fine totally and it's going to be good it. and yeah. it's going to be calm and it's going to be okay. And yeah, I've just learned to follow that, but it, it takes so long to figure it out. And the church's mm-hmm. wording and descriptions do not actually help you no. find that. And people will say like, but they do say that it brings peace and comfort and they do, mm-hmm. but they will only stick by that if your answer aligns well, and with their answers. Yeah. I do find that the peace and comfort I feel is because they make me feel like I've made the right choice. If I, if I choose mm. them over me, it's almost like mm-hmm. the good feelings I felt that I thought were the spirit or the Holy ghost. They were a lack of guilt. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not feeling yes. bad that I'm going against this. I'm feeling, and I'm feeling like, 
okay, I made oh. the right choice. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yes, that's a profound like, distinction. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. Yeah, like I, you feel better because the guilt is relieved mm-hmm. because the guilt originates when you choose yourself over them. Yeah. So when you don't do that, you choose them over you, you feel better because that guilt is lifted. And yes. now you're dealing with those feelings of self-betrayal, but you don't recognize that that's what's happening. All you know is that the guilt has been alleviated and yeah. that feels better. Therefore, that must be the right answer. Well, and you're receiving a lot of validation because you made a hard yes. decision because the, you know, the bad part of me wanted to go this way, but I chose to go towards the good. And also there's that whole thing about belonging. If I yeah. follow this voice that feels right to me, I could lose my standing here. I could lose my belonging. I could lose respect. I could lose trust. And so you go back into that and you get all this validation and praise like, oh, you did the right thing. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I'm doing the right thing. So I don't, that, I think that's where it gets so muddy and tricky and sticky. So it's a mess. It's a mess. And you're right to throw that question at teenagers Mm -hmm. is dangerous and absolutely leads to shame, confusion, conformity, all yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Ugh. Okay. So next question on the list. So does this information? So again, we're back to this. The questions presented to the seminary students. Um, does this information bring me closer to Jesus Christ and His Church? So I'm going to say before I hand it over to you, what they're doing here, in my opinion, you can let me know what you think. Um, I actually just had this conversation with um someone that like a good friend of mine and she was talking about people that she knows that are still in the church. And she was like, I don't know if they're going to see, but like, why can't they see? Like, I don't understand why they can't see. And I was like, well, because they've already been inoculated against seeing like the church is getting and has always like they see trends. Like right now it's been Mm -hmm. hilarious to see, Um, I've seen a couple of talks go up that were presented in general conference. For those of you who are not Mormon, that's like the worldwide, um, conference, the church, like the prophets and the apostles get up and speak to the entire church throughout the whole world. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's a very big deal and their talks have to be approved and like everything has to be just like kosher. And I've seen multiple clips from talks where these, these prophets and apostles are mentioning like, you know, where do you get your information from? And like, make sure you're getting it from the scriptures and not, and the way that they say like TikTok is so condescending, mm. so demeaning because mm-hmm. they, they are, they're being very clear of like, this is the most foolish thing that you could ever do. Don't be a fool. So they're, they're inoculating people against what's coming before it happens. And I feel like this question is starting to, to, and this and the next few questions lean that direction where its purpose, you know, does this information bring me closer to Jesus Christ and his church, his church, meaning we have the true church. They're inoculating it up in advance against any thoughts that might stray from this. For sure. And I think along with that, they do a lot of vilification of people who doubt and people who leave. Oh yeah. So if they have left the church, which is why I thought, I thought it was so interesting that they put the church in that question, because as I was reading it, I was like, my brain was already saying, it's going to say it will turn you towards Jesus Christ and his gospel. Uh I thought, I thought for sure, like just based on my indoctrination, that's where it would go, but it went straight into the church. 
and I just thought, I thought that was kind of interesting and maybe there's nothing there, but in my mind, I thought there's a, I think because I hear a lot of um, the nuanced Mormon crowd mm-hmm. and a lot of people I know separate the two. There is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there is the oh church God. of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that a lot? Yes. And, and I, you're exactly right. They're trying to pull those things back together with this question. Yeah. Like I, and so I just was, I don't know. I just found that interesting and a little like, it was just all about the church. And so, and, and I think it ties into the vilification of people who leave the church. Like if it's not yeah. pointing you back to the church and yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting yeah. that they didn't use the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was specifically, right. you have to stay in this church. In this church. Well, cause you're right. I think that is a trend that's happening and this is happening across all religious groups because people are leaving at alarming mm-hmm. numbers. Um, and there's a book that I'm in the middle of reading and I can't remember, but he's talking about this trend and he's got all the statistics and it's fascinating. But um, part of that problem is, is that people are saying like, Hey, I still believe in a God or I still believe in Christ or I still believe in the Bible or whatever it is, but I'm having trouble with the way mm-hmm. this church, that church, all the churches mm-hmm. are treating mm-hmm people mm-hmm. of, you know, color, people of the LGBTQ community, you know, all of these things. Women. And so, yeah, women, and they're saying like, hey, I'm going to step away from the church because I don't believe mm-hmm. in that, but I believe in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ mm-hmm. and I want to hold on to that, which is fine and everyone's individual choice. But by by putting these together in this question, they are trying to reach the youth and to stop them, I think, from making that distinction, yeah, yeah. which is sad because what we've done is we've now made this question exactly the same as the first question where it's like, well, I, I, I do believe in this, but I see problems here, but now I need to feel guilt and shame because I am not seeing it correctly. I'm not looking at it through the proper eyes. There's something wrong with me. Like, because this is Christ church. So how could I find fault with it? Like it's, it's wrapping, it's trying to like, sew that divide back together and saying there is no difference. You can't pick one or the other. Yeah. And I think that is really interesting because I was one of those people who was a really, um, always found a lot of connection with Jesus And so, and I went all in on that. Like I just became um, all in on following Jesus. And I found that the more I followed Jesus, the less it felt like the more painful church Mm -hmm. became. Like it just, I couldn't like over the years, the two seemed to come apart for me. Like if I'm going to follow Jesus, I can't do it in this institution. And I think that's what a lot of people say is that we like Jesus and the, the gospel or the good news that he taught but it doesn't match what you're teaching me here. And then, and so I think, but I think if they can really hone in on this is his one true church on the earth, mm-hmm. like that will scare you as a teenager. Like, well, I want to belong to yeah. the, the church of Jesus. Like, I don't like, I've got to follow him because I know without him, I cannot make it back to wherever it is we're going. Right. And so that I know scared me like, well, I can't, Like as a teenager that, and again, the belonging thing, like I want to belong to Jesus because I was told that that was the only way I could be made whole again. That was the only way I was going to be redeemed. The only way I could have salvation and see my family again was I was going to have to go through that guy. And so if it, and if he is only present in one church 
for the sake of my life and my salvation, I better not leave it. So it just feels very <laughs> manipulative. Yeah, manipulative and tapping into that fear mongering, which doesn't at first glance look like it should be there at all. Mm-hmm. But you're right, because that's the only way to not die and to not be secluded from your family and to not go to hell and to not blah, 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 blah. blah. Oh, my God. Okay, next question. Does this information encourage me to keep God's commandments? What are your thoughts on that? I have some, but I'm going to let you go first. I, well, I do. I have, like, I can, I went a lot of different ways on this one because um, I've talked about this a lot in my writing and probably on our last podcast that when my faith fell apart, there was only one little tiny belief that I kept and I still hold this belief. It's kind of the foundation I base all my beliefs on. And it was love your neighbor as yourself. Like that's all I had left over. And I still believe like when we love ourselves, we then recognize the connection we have to our neighbors. We love our neighbors. And the more we dive into that, like it just the connection, right? And that we are, we're not supposed to be living. We're not supposed to be separating ourselves from each other. We're supposed to be connected. Anyways. And that was a commandment. Like that was, I'm like, okay, that is presented in the Bible as a commandment from Jesus. Like the greatest one of all. Right. So I was like, but I don't think that's the commandment they're, they're maybe going for here. I mean, it could be, yeah, but it just, yeah. it does, it, it, nowhere does it talk about, it just talks about obedience, obedience, obedience. Like, and I got that, like, you have to keep the commandments. And if you do that, you will become like God instead of you need to learn to love yourself and your neighbors. And then you, like, you find whatever, you, you know what I mean? And that you find yeah. that connection, but I, I feel like in, in the LDS church, I'm taught commandments before love, obedience. And then mm-hmm. from that obedience, obedience before love, oh, yes. Obe- from that obedience, I will find the love that you are all promising that I'm going to find this great and beautiful, peaceful love for, of God. I'm going to feel that. Mm-hmm. And I, the way I do it mm-hmm. is by going through the commandments. And it just doesn't work. It felt like I was trying to engineer myself outwardly, like, engineer this perfect human that would be like God. And once I could be like God, then I would feel this love and beauty and connection. And it's an inside job. That's what I've learned. Like I, you can't like one earring, like cap sleeve, you know, diet Coke your way there. Like you can, it it comes, it is just, you know what I mean? Like there's so many. There are, there are, there are non-Mormons that are so confused by the list you just dropped. And I I get it. I'm just laughing because I'm like, anyone else would be like, wait, one earring cap sleeve diet coat. What the hell was that? Well, and there's a, there's a dress, there's a dress code. You're told what to wear. You are told what to watch. You are told what to drink, what to eat. Like there's a code. And if you can, and, and and a purity kind of code, like thing. And if you follow these outward things and you dress yourself accordingly and you watch the correct things and listen to the right things and read the right things, which are all the things the church will tell you, then you can become like God. And it's, it's, it's backwards. Like it's all like, it's, it's a complete, it comes from the inside. None of the outer stuff matters at all, but yeah. And then the outer will just like, it it just comes naturally and you will express yourself at, at the highest version of yourself, whatever that might be. So I just feel like when it, when it's commandments, I just think it means obedience, obedience to these rules that we have given. That's the only way to stay on the path and follow God. And yeah, it didn't. Yeah. 
I love, I, you summed it up so succinctly, like obedience before love. Mm -hmm. I, that is, it's perfect because it is exactly what so many churches actually subscribe to. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you have to, you have to go through the, the walk, which actually, now that I'm saying it, I think is funny because, you know, all of, well, any religion that includes the Bible in its doctrinal practice you know, like there's the story where Jesus is talking about how out of control everything had gotten where you could only walk like so many steps on Sunday mm-hmm. and, you know, like it had to be done A, B, C, D, E. And he's like, hey, but there's a better way. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so whether you believe in whether it's true or not, like the fact that it's for people who do believe that it's true and yet we're still holding obedience above love, yeah. like that's hugely problematic. Well, the thing that I, I have a problem with on this, and this would be more, mm, I don't want to say only Mormonism, but, um, high demand religions similar to Mormonism. Mm -hmm. Um, they are not talking about the 10 commandments here. Like we're not talking about love thy neighbor, like don't kill. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, those are solid things that I think people, most people can be like, yeah, we should maybe do that. They are talking about anything that has been laid down through the church, through the prophet, because the prophet can continue to give commandments, mm-hmm. can continue mm-hmm. to, you know, like, you know, but yeah. So like when they say, does this information encourage me to keep God's commandments? They're not saying, does this information you're reading encourage you to like not go out and murder someone? Mm-hmm. Does this information encourage me to be obedient to everything we've told you to do? as quote unquote God's church. And yeah, that is hugely. And that includes like who you marry like and where you get married. Like yeah. it is, it's your whole life plan that they have for you. And you can follow the commandments right into like, you can follow obediently follow the commandment yourself into a tiny little box where you feel the smallest amount of love. And I think the love that you feel is just confused again with that lack of guilt and with validation and with belonging and, and you confuse that for love because when all those commandments went away for me, except for that one, I found the all the things that the church promised me I would find by keeping the commandments. I found okay. when all the commandments went away, like the only thing we should be obedient to is love. That's where mm-hmm. obedience lies. That's the only commandment like that. And, and from that, like we, we then, and, and we're obedient to our worth and obedient to our highest self obedient to that voice of love that comes from within us, that calm voice. And then we treat ourselves and others appropriately. And we don't need to add a lot of other rules onto it. And the more rules we add onto it, I think also the more it creates um, a community, an environment where we have to judge because righteousness means we have to only wear one pair of earrings and our shoulders cannot show and we cannot drink coffee to name a few. And so then when we see people that are doing that, because we're judging ourselves by that, then we're looking at others and we're doing the same thing to them. And we're, again, you can, the obedience to the commandments is just a a tool of separation. It feels like if we're obedient to love, it just connects us and we widen and open and suddenly shoulders are not bad. Earrings are not bad. Coffee. You know what I mean? And then we're just, just, so it's, I think I, I remember when I was young, probably in my late teens, early twenties, I said to my mom, I was contemplating all of this because all I, I've been a, co- a contemplative person my whole life. 
And I just said, mom, it seems to me that if they just taught us to love our neighbor, to love, we wouldn't need a lot of additional rules because then we would just be operating from a place of love and we wouldn't murder people. We wouldn't lie. We wouldn't steal. We wouldn't covet or whatever those commandments are. We would operate from a place of love. And, and, but instead we're taught like, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, don't wear two pairs of earrings, don't drink coffee, don't show your shoulders, whatever you do. And so anyways, it just all felt yeah. seems backwards. And I, yeah. I tried it that way. I tried, I followed, I was a rule follower. The rules were easy. That was the easy part for me was following the rules, but it did not produce this, the result I was looking for. It just caused right. me, to, it caused me to separate myself and elevate myself feel a little bit more special than everyone and also get a lot of praise and recognition from church leaders and then be, Mm -hmm. be given like responsibility, like a little teeny bit of power and authority that made me feel special. And so I'm like, Oh yeah, God loves me. But what I've discovered now is so (laughs) different and so much wider and deeper and expansive and beautiful. And I just think everything you told me I would find in the church I found outside of it. I found outside, like you promised me these big, great things and I never found them there. And I followed and, and, and I didn't know that of course, until I'd experienced outside, but now I'm like, this is what, this is what I was like, this is it. And I can't get that through you anymore. So anyways. Yeah. Yeah. When I, for me, like I have, mm, I don't want to say extreme because I don't think they're extreme, but I would say on the fringe of what most people would be able to accept uh, views on the concept of right and wrong as Mm -hmm. a whole. And I'm throwing that out there because it's not time. I I can't share it right now. It's just, I can, it's just not something I should um, launch into right now, but I'm sharing it so that when I do launch into it at some point, y'all aren't like, well, I feel like she believed something else three weeks ago, which also is fine. By the way, I get to change my mind and learn more. Absolutely. Like growth and understanding. And like, it's really important to stay in that flexibility. However, I will say, I think it is just so comical. Like when I look at the world, like when you start to look at history Mm -hmm. and how religion has evolved in um, side by side with culture Mm -hmm. and how that is what defines right and wrong and not an actual commandment like this. Like I cannot tell you how much I hate the word modesty. I hate that word Mm -hmm. with a loathing passion because modesty only can be said with shame and judgment. It can never be said from a place other than judgment. Mm -hmm. And it is completely defined by your culture. Mm -hmm. Like, some women say modesty and it's like, well, the breasts must be covered, but it's fine if the belly is exposed. Mm-hmm. Some people like, and it, again, it just depends. Like if you see like traditional Indian mm-hmm. dress mm-hmm. from like India, the, you don't get a lot of cleavage. Those, they actually cover quite well on the top, but belly is always exposed. And that mm-hmm. is not a problem at all. But a Mormon would look at that beautiful mm-hmm. outfit and be like, that's terribly immodest mm-hmm. and that is only culture mm-hmm. only culture it is, yeah. you know and like mormons are allowed to be extraordinarily modest with our little cap sleeve and a muslim woman would find that yes like unthinkable mm-hmm. to to wear that top out in public mm-hmm. and so yes this idea that modesty is somehow 
like set down from God in this right and wrong scenario is just the most absurd thing to me that I can't like I really I just want to burn modesty off the like records of yeah. civilization. Do you know that poem oh, by so Rumi? It's a quote probably from a longer poem possibly. But Rumi said somewhere beyond right and wrong there is a field and I will meet you there. Like there's I and yes. again when we're putting things into Yeah, that would be where my beliefs yes, lie. Out in yes. the field beyond <laughs> right and wrong. Because again beyond right and wrong. It's totally, when we're yeah. putting things in these categories of right and wrong again we're creating separation from each other because now we've got to judge ourselves is this right? Am I doing this wrong? And that means in order to be safe, I've got to judge my neighbor. So it's not loving yep. your neighbor. It's judging your neighbor, trying to determine if they're, yeah. if they're right and wrong. If yeah. they can, and, and if they're doing the wrong thing, I've got to be afraid of them. And it just is all of this separation. If I'm doing the right thing, then I can elevate myself above them. And it yes. just, it's just, well, and this it's idea so toxic. That the right thing, it is so yeah. toxic. And like, there's the different, you know, there's the levels. And I want people to understand that like, I am aware that murdering someone is on a different level than than judging mm-hmm. as much as I hate levels and hierarchy mm-hmm. and all that. Like, I understand it's a different mm-hmm. act. That being said, what on earth makes us decide that we, because we know, quote unquote, know what's right for us or what's the right action and we feel good about it is right for everyone. Mm-hmm. It's asinine. Like, and egotistical. It's just mm-hmm. absurd. Because I'll tell you, in order, sorry, I'm going way off the wings no, I love here. I'll, it. I'll bring us back Amen here in a second. But like, <laughs> I don't know. My poor listeners are like, weren't we talking about? No, just roll with us. Roll with us. Um, but I think that it's, you know, like in order for me to find love of others, which I do agree is, is, is the thing I had to learn how to be selfish. Oh yeah. I had to learn how to be selfish in a way that I stopped, like you said, denying myself, sacrificing myself on the altar of church and rules and obedience. I had to pull it all back in and be like, no, I'm not doing anything. I'm not go. I'm not doing any activities. I'm not doing any volunteer work. I'm not helping mm-hmm. anyone. I'm sorry that you need someone to watch your baby, but I'm not your girl. I'm not doing any of it because I have to pull all the way in and find who the hell I am? What am I doing? What do I think? Yeah. Um, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. What should I say? It Like I had to become so selfish mm-hmm. in order to heal enough and learn enough. Mm-hmm. But then when I blew back out, oh my God, it was, it was so expansive in a way that I had never understood before. Like my capacity for love yes. of others is bigger than it has ever been in my whole life. And the step to get there was selfishness first. Well, and I would even and I would argue that in the end, that's not selfishness, yeah. but that's what it felt like at the time. That's what I was going to say. It was, it's what you were taught selfishness is. Like right. it was, it was perceived as selfishness, and and yeah, and that was a hard. That, I don't know for you, but that was a hard thing for me to like allow myself to really take care of myself. Like that was selfish. And so it's just what we thought was selfishness, but really what it did is it allowed us, like, I know for me, it, again, this expansive, this huge capacity for love. And then there's, I have this overflow to give. My service yeah. is coming from a place of overflow where I have enough to give. And it's, and that's true love. Right. Whereas before, when I was not taking care of myself, I was giving, but I was exhausted. And then it's so easy to slip into resentment. 
or um, shame, yeah. like, why can't I feel better about this? Mm-hmm. And burnout, yeah. absolute burnout. And that's not love. If I'm serving because I feel like yeah. I have to and I'm really a little bit secretly resentful or I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm worried that I'm neglecting my family, whatever, that's not love. This is love because then when I say yes, yeah. it is absolutely coming. It is an absolute yes. There's no resentment. I'm not betraying myself. I'm not betraying you. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just a, an yeah. unlearning. Yeah, which which goes to show that like the love that we were taught, mm-hmm. like I was aware of this, but I love that this just like laid it out over the past 20 minutes. The love that we were taught within the Mormon church was really obedience. It was. Because we were, you go serve because it's time. Mm-hmm. You go do this because you should. You go do this because there's a need. And never let's be in a whole place who has an overflow. Awesome. Here are the needs. Where can you, it didn't matter. Like, because my thought when you were like, it's very hard to be selfish. I was like, well, it actually, I mean, it was probably, it was really easy in a lot of ways, but I was like, oh, it was easy because I was dying. It was easy because I had had no other choice so far. There was no other choice. So I was like, okay, fine. Like, let's do this. And that's not actually easy. That means that like it was so hard that I couldn't do it until there were no other options Mm -hmm. available. Same. Yeah. Yeah. And then as I was doing Mm -hmm. it, I was like, I have to, I have to do this, but I was still having a little bit of like, but I'm not serving anyone right now. But then I would just go back to, I literally can barely get myself out of bed. Like I, so I had to like go through that process of learning to let that go. And then when I could just fully embrace, like self I just didn't know I was never taught what self-love was or self-compassion or taking care of yourself yeah because because that's problematic you're either selfish or you're um prideful or you're you know a horrible example of womanhood in the bible or you're like yeah and there's that that verse in the bible that was used often that said you when you lose yourself you lo- who those who lose their lives shall find it. And I was always told that yeah. those who lose their lives in the service of others will find themselves. I lost that. that. Yeah. And it was just, I, it's probably a matter of interpretation or whatever, but I'm just like, so we just gave of ourselves I, thinking like someday this yeah. is going to fill us. And all it did was come almost nearly kill us. And Yeah, exactly. And that interpret, I mean, it does, the interpretation varies, but I'll tell you with the, um, every single evangelical guest that I've had on, that is a mm, severely hammered tenet of that particular religion. And it is taken to such like way worse of an extreme than what we even dealt with, where it is um, literally erase yourself, mm. erase every part of you so that you can be an empty vessel that can just be filled up with God. And my question is, if, if God created you, why in the fuck (laughs) would he want you to delete yourself in order for him to take up your space? Like, do you not think he's capable of like just building a little form that he could just slip in? Like I, anyway, sorry, there was no, I just, yeah. So, Yeah, it's literally a deletion of of self. And I mean, to the degree, like someone who was, I think it was Ashley, um, um, no, Ashley, there's an extra E in there for you guys who are looking, so I have two Ashleys on there. So Ashley gave an example of 
like someone playing a musical instrument. Dang, I can't remember if it was her or someone she knew. Um, but yeah, going to like a youth retreat where this was hammered, hammered, hammered. Like mm. if 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 this deletion of self and this deletion of love and this deletion of passion doesn't hurt, then you're not doing it mm. right. And so her like giving up this, I can't remember if it was a guitar or a violin, um, and saying she was never going to play again because that was her sacrifice. Mm to God to like make space. And it's just, Oh my God. It's horrific. Okay. I don't know how we got here, but I'm glad we did. And now I'm going to pull us back to next question for the seminary stuff is, does it agree? um, Okay. So does this information that you have seen or presented or found, does it agree with the scriptures and the modern prophets teach, which I actually think we have done. I think we covered both with the previous question. Mm -hmm. So then the next one is, does it confirm? Oh my God, I hate this. (laughs) We actually just referenced this too. Does it confirm what I have already felt the Holy ghost told Mm -hmm. me is true or does it encourage me to doubt gospel truths? Oh my God, there's like 17 bombs in this question. It's a tricky, it's that same trickiness we've been talking about. Yes. Well, and okay, first of all, so does it confirm what I've already felt the Holy ghost told me is true and we just talked about the importance of being able to like learn and grow and be like, oh, I think I didn't have that quite right mm-hmm. when I was seven yeah. <laughs> or 14 or yeah. 32. Or it's deepened or expanded. Uh, or, yeah. Yes. And this is like, oh, no, if you expand, you should doubt it because you already got the right mm-hmm. answer and now you're expanding mm-hmm. into dangerous territory. So like pull it back, yeah. pull yourself back. Well, and I've heard, I've heard oh, that um, in church, like in lessons and actually one of my dearest friends said it to me when I when I first revealed that I was going to be leaving church um they said but didn't you already get a confirmation that those things were true how could that possibly yeah. change and I'm like easy it could like it, it it took me a while to make sense of that in my own mind because I did have very powerful spiritual experiences and I just I don't want to gaslight myself and say those things didn't happen or I didn't feel something there I felt Mm -hmm. because there probably was some kind of truth in that that I was got or I needed to go through whatever it was like I could talk myself a million ways around it but I don't even want to just like try to convince myself or gaslight myself like I'm like but right now every cell of my body is buzzing at this idea of when I'm here and when I'm here in this building, I feel like I'm shriveling and dying. So I'm going to go towards life mm-hmm. and not death. Like that's all. Mm-hmm. And I, and so mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I can't go back and try. I, I don't want to like dissect it all and explain it away. And I've tried and I can come up with an answer yep. that makes complete sense. But I just know that I'm going to go towards love and life and and connection yeah. and beauty and um my fellow in humanity i just love humans and so and if and if anything is taking me away from that or causing me it, it like if it's going towards love myself and love my neighbor yes if it's not no <laughs> so yeah well, I'm going to, I'm going to try to speak delicately and really watch my words. So if it's coming out haltingly, this is what's happening. I'm, I work with words so often. I know Sonia, you're going to understand this, but I'm just so highly aware of the direction, like one word, wrong word can send people that mm-hmm. I just really want to make sure that I get this right here. I feel like 
I, so I ran into the same problem that you did where I'd had some very profound and powerful experiences and I was not willing to lie to myself and say that they didn't happen. And I wasn't going to gaslight myself because I, I think, you know, I spent so much time sacrificing myself and putting myself in places that I knew I shouldn't be and lying to myself and shaming myself that I was not willing to have that be the cornerstone of my step out, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. have this thing that like I could say it all day long, but deep down I knew that it wasn't true. And deep down I knew that I was denying and lying to myself all over again. Um, but that took a very long time to work through. Um, and I'll tell you, I I've shared it somewhere, but I'll tell you what actually clicked for me in that regard for anyone that it might help. But I, I feel like that refusal to deny myself on the way out is what stabilized me. It's what gave me peace. And when you transition from one place to another in a state of self-denial, self-sacrifice, self-abuse. It's setting you up to be very unhappy. And unfortunately what happens is then you have people who have made an authentic choice, but based it on a tenant that is not true to themselves And so then that unhappiness that they felt goes with them. And then it's very confusing because they're like, why am I still unhappy? I thought I would be happy over here. Not realizing it was because they had to deny themselves to make that jump. Does that make sense? Okay. So I don't want to go, you know, too far because that there's so many nuances in everyone's individual situation and everyone's, you know, everything is, is so different, but Um, I just think it's something that we need to be really Mm -hmm. careful of, 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 of doing what you have done, which is, you know what, I'm not gonna spend circles around it. Like things can change. Mm -hmm. And this was right then, or I had that experience. I was listening to, it was an Oprah super soul podcast thing. Um, and she, I can't remember who she was interviewing. I've got to figure out who this man is. Um, but he had been members of and researched a lot of different religions. And at some point she asked him, like, how do you reconcile this in your head? Like, how do you, how are you part of this? And then you move on to this. And then you, you know, like, cause he was a very faithful like member wherever he, he went, it sounded like, and I'm going to mess this up. It's not perfect. But basically what he said was the way that I look at it is the butterfly. When a butterfly emerges from the cocoon, The butterfly does not need the cocoon any longer to go back into that cocoon would kill the butterfly. Like it can't do that. It has to emerge, but that doesn't mean that the cocoon was bad. It doesn't mean that the cocoon needed to be destroyed. It didn't mean that like that was the worst thing that happened to it. It didn't like, it just doesn't need it anymore. And so it, it flies away. And I just, what that story did for me is it just gave me permission to say, I don't have, to burn down every experience I've had within this very toxic religion. I don't have to demonize it. I don't have to do any of that. I, but I don't have to stay here just because I had them. Mm -hmm. I don't have to get back in the cocoon 
just because the cocoon is really there. Yeah. I don't know. No, like it just, of, it yeah. finally mm-hmm. made that click where I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. And I have, I have, Sorry, I remember just... having a very powerful experience about going on a mission where I just knew I was supposed to go. And I went and my mission truly um, did a lot for me. It helped me to personally grow in ways. And maybe I would have had other experiences where I would have had those growth. Like as far as helping other people, I probably didn't that much. But um, to this day, I'm grateful that I followed that and I went and did. So I think even my highest self found ways through Mormonism to grow and um, find more of myself until it didn't, until it stopped working, until I didn't need it anymore. I, I didn't. And to stuff myself right. back in the cocoon, I would have to like clip my wings. I'd have to clip my own wings or tie yeah. them down in order to squeeze back into it. And um, yeah. And then at that point, you're just like, yeah. I I can either come back here and not fly or I can fly. And 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 the more you choose that yourself, again, like you, you just get more empowered to keep doing it and keep doing it. And that's when the love just like grows exponentially in bounds. And there seems to be no end to the capacity. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Okay. So the second half of that question is, um, does it encourage me to doubt gospel truths? I feel like this is pretty obvious, mm-hmm. but Sonia, go ahead. Take a, take a, take a crack at that. Um, okay. I think that's another really tricky question. I think I heard this woman say, I just stumbled onto her account and she said, I came across information that was specifically designed to make me doubt the gospel, the church. It was specifically designed mm. to shake my faith. And so I kind of feel like this question is setting up that idea of if this makes you doubt, it's wrong. If it was, it's designed probably by Satan or some ex-Mormon um, to get you to, to shake you up and make like it, like it's, it's there with that it was designed by someone else to like attack you. And it's, if you are Mm -hmm. doubting, that is your higher, like to me, that is my higher self, like saying like, Hey, um, let's question this a little more. I think doubts are the most beautiful. My doubts are what led me to this place that I'm in. And I, I wouldn't trade them for anything. And I, I think it's just another way vilifying doubt will keep people, you know, on Mm -hmm. in, in the, the church. And so I don't know. I just feel like it's another, tricky question it's just shutting down doubt it's shutting down and that's what I always felt like doubt was coming from the way that that woman phrased it has just stuck with me for some reason she said it was specifically designed by the world Mm -hmm. or the Mm ex-mormons or the tiktok people or whatever to shake my faith and it worked it did it shook me but now I'm back stronger than ever and so just doubt is yeah the opposite yeah. of faith isn't doubt, it's certainty, right? Is that the quote by, oh, I don't remember who. But anyways, yeah, it just vilified. Yeah, oh, it's I a tricky know. thing. I'd love to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, well, I think, well, your word, as soon as you said it vilifies doubt, I'm like, it vilifies mm-hmm. everyone. Like, it doesn't just vil- it yeah. vilifies, which is why she worded that the way that she mm-hmm. did, because the person or the thing that was being presented to her was a mm-hmm. villain. It was out to get her. It was dangerous. And that is one of the prime forms of inoculation that the church Mm -hmm, uses mm -hmm. is if we can make you fearful of anyone that is not Mormon or presenting as Mormon enough to be Mm -hmm. safe, 
then they are a danger. Because if they say anything that makes you doubt, question, feel uncomfortable, which by the way, that discomfort is you being thrown against the wall of your own cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance, Yeah. right? That's the discomfort is you being like, something is not fitting mm-hmm. here. Anybody that makes you feel like that, that is making you doubt the gospel truth. That means it is a villain. It is dangerous. It is scary. And we need to get away immediately instead of continuing to feel these feelings of doubt because those are bad and scary. And then that plays into hierarchical Mm -hmm. systems of we're better than you. And Mm -hmm. like, you are something to be feared. And it's the othering. Like this is got so much loaded. I think another Mm -hmm. really dangerous thing it does is and this is where I had trouble as a teenager and as a, and an adult. What if it's something in the church that is causing me to doubt? Do you know what I mean? Like, what if it's actually this? Oh, well, that's already this see the, the verse that Jesus just said. Or what if it's something that person's, you know what I mean? What if? Yeah. Well, that is, that's already been inoculated as well, because that is in the statement. It's not the church. It's the mm-hmm. people. And that has been thrown out for years for that exact reason, but it's in the church. Well, but not really, but not really because that's imperfect people, not the gospel. So then we can just just kick that out. It's just so terrible. I know some of my biggest doubts have just come from reading the Bible. And so then how do you, so then if (laughs) if these people are doubts are villains and the things that cause me to doubt the gospel are villains, but the thing that I'm reading from Jesus is now causing me to doubt. Is Jesus the villain? Like, do you know what I mean? It's just, how do you? Yes, I do. I When I was on my mission, because we would do the morning scripture study for mm-hmm. what, I don't know, an hour or something. And I had gone, th- I've read the Book of Mormon. I'd read the New Testament and I was on the mm-hmm. Old Testament. And I was so irate every morning. <laughs> like, irate. Like, I, like the ranting that you guys hear me fall into every now and again, which I've done a couple times in this interview, like that, like I was like, and what is this? And this is crazy. My, my companion, I remember she's just like blinking at me with these wide eyes and was like, maybe, um, you shouldn't read the old Testament. And I was like, okay, fine. And I switched, but there was this moment in my head of like, that, seems inherently problematic Mm -hmm. like if I can't read (laughs) an entire body of scripture like maybe there's something wrong but I was on a mission what was I gonna do about it nothing I was gonna not read it so that I didn't have to feel that way and I didn't have to question and I would move on to something to something else I heard a stake president get up at the podium and say to the whole stake do not read the gospel topic essays. They will put you into a deep, dark hole that you cannot climb out of if you read those. That's what's happening to people. So he just, and I've heard lots of people cautioning people, do not read. The, so now it's the stuff on the church's website that's causing me to doubt. So do, is the church the villain? Like it just, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? Right, right. It's easy to vilify I the ex-Mormons do. on I TikTok do. and the whoever Satan's influence, whatever, I don't know. But what happened? That's, and that's the thing again with the Holy ghost in me. Like, how do I know if this voice is like the voice of me? Do you know what I'm saying? It's just, what if the Holy ghost tells me what the prophet just said is wrong? Now, how do I reconcile that? How do I reconcile that the church's own stuff is causing me to doubt? How do I, it's easy to vilify, you know what, do you know what, you know what I'm saying? 
I do. I do. And I think it's so funny because, again, I can see all the little drops of, like, how that's manipulated and how it's beneficial. Mm -hmm. Because if you put something on the church's website and then it causes you to doubt, well, then the statements are made of, like, well, you know, if this is causing you problems, you should avoid it. Not because it's bad. Not because Mm -hmm. it's wrong. But because you're not ready for that yet. too much for you. This is a you spiritual problem. (laughs) If you were more advanced, Mm -hmm. yeah, if you had a, if you were more advanced or a man or something, like, you wouldn't have trouble with it. So it's not that, like, you just need a deeper understanding of how Mm -hmm. God works and or we don't understand all of God's ways and we have to have what? Obedience. So that we still, oh my God, it's just, there is always, there is always a way that has been set up. And because so many of us have been exposed to this since we were born, we don't even know they're there. Like we immediately flip ourselves from, oh, I'm the problem. Oh, I'm 100%. bad. Oh, this is a me thing. It was always yeah, because me. we were, that's all we knew. And I was always told to have yes. faith. Like you've just got to have faith. But what they meant is have faith in us. And I just, mm-hmm. I remember one day when I, that switched for me and I was like, faith is not shutting down my, the, this voice inside of myself that is speaking truth and beauty and love. Faith is following the love, like obedience. The only thing we should be obedient to is love. And the only thing we need to have faith in is love. And it's always telling us to have obedience to that guy and love and follow that guy. And you'll find love if you just, I don't know. It was just always outsourcing my authority, my faith, Uh everything to Uh someone outside of myself. And that's not faith. Yeah. Faith is like, you know what? That's not faith at all. That's just. Yeah. Faith is when I get that super calm Mm -hmm. inside that's like it'll be fine and my brain's like it will absolutely not be fine and And inside is like it will be that's faith yes yes being like i'm gonna walk forward yeah and and i'm only gonna show you the next step you're not gonna see what's coming after that and you're like but could you just show me the whole thing but yeah that's the real faith it's like yeah that's faith inside voice is telling you to do something that is goes completely against logic and reason like walk away from your church you might lose everything but I need you to yeah. walk away. And you're like, yeah. like faith isn't like shutting that down and going back to the the known. Like, I know this, this is comfortable. Faith is like, yes. okay, I'm going to walk away and I'm just going to trust that love is going to rise up and meet me and hold me and, and continue to like, tell me the next yeah. step. Faith is not like every step for your entire life is laid out for you. And you just need to have the faith to follow it. And I'm just like, it's not faith. Yes. You That's need to obedience. have faith in me that I yeah. know better it's than o- you. It's, it's exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Which leads us to the next one, which I can't even, I just, uh, <sighs> Devery, you can say it. You can say it. I don't want to. Does the information come from a source that the savior or his church leaders would consider trustworthy? I want to claw my face Same. off. Mm-hmm. I can't even with this one. But for real, like, they've, again, it's that, I, I know I've used the word inoculation 17 times. If anyone wants to make this episode into a drinking <laughs> game, like, I would totally understand. Um, no offense. No offense. <laughs> like, like, every time Debra says inoculation. But, again, it is. It's like, does this information come from a source that the Savior would consider trustworthy? I mean, okay, probably mostly okay. A little tricky, depending on how we define yeah. the Savior and how you've been taught and blah, 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 blah. Um, 
But but in order to shore that up and to make in case that's not enough, right? In case we misinterpret our Holy Ghost promptings about what the Savior would say, his church leaders. So now we are handing 100% of our authority, our knowing, our sovereignty, our intuition, every single part of anything within us that would help direct us in life. We're handing that over to a church leader and being like, do you, what is the word I'm looking for? Not verified. Do you, ah, I don't know. I can't find the word, but like, do you approve, right? Like, what? You, yeah, approve. Is yeah, it. I still, there's a, there's a way better word and I cannot find it. But yeah, do you approve? Because that's all that matters. I'm going to set everything else down. I'm going to turn all my warning bells off. I'm going to like calm down the alarm systems going off within me. And I'm going to be like, oh, but you say that this is bad? I shouldn't have. Li- okay, then we aren't going to go there anymore. Oh my God. Also, church leaders here, they are not specifying prophet and apostles, which is a whole nother. I could go on that soapbox for like an hour. Um, but they aren't even doing that, which is hugely problematic in and of itself. But now it's church leaders. It's mm-hmm. wide open. They mean every single leader that you have, most of them will be men and none of them have any training at all. They've just been called to that leadership position. So hand over everything to the man that happens to have been pulled out of the lottery box this month to be the bishop or the this, you know, Sunday school mm-hmm. president or the young men's president and trust yeah. him. And then when you do and you get that approval, you feel like you feel in the spirit again. Like, oh, that, that's because you feel the goodness of like, I'm, I belonging to the group. I have a place here and I might even be kind of special yeah. mm-hmm. because I made a right choice in a hard situation. So, and then you mistake that for God's love. You mistake that for love. You mistake it for whatever Holy Ghost, spirit, whatever. And really, it's just mm-hmm. I, I, whew, I, I was able to like still keep my standing here and belong, and that feels safe to me right now. Yes. And so that must be. I don't know. It for, yes, for yes, young absolutely, people, absolutely. Teenagers, it's just brutal. It's just I don't know. It really yeah. concerns me. Well, and here's what I just saw. I love having conversations like this because one, I think it's really important for people to just listen to how other people like cognitively go through things. And for me, I always will come away seeing something that I didn't see before. Like there were these pieces everywhere and then someone will say something again in a different way than I've looked at it. And all of a sudden I see this connection line like between these pieces. So like as you were talking, I was like, oh my God. So a huge problem in religious circles, and this is not unique to Mormonism at all, is like, I don't want to be bad. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to mess up. So I am going to take all of that off of me. I'm going to ask my church leader or my priest or my pastor or whatever, what should I do? And then when he tells me now, I don't have to feel any of that discomfort of like, am I right? Am I wrong? Did, do, am I listening to the Holy Spirit or am I not? Am I da, 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 da? And so what this really does, we have the initial problem of the Holy Ghost, which is super, super tricky. And now we've said, hey, ask your church leaders. And so we've taken this and what we've set this up for is to have people start to, and I see this all the time. I know so many people currently that live like this, 
we take the Holy Ghost out of it immediately because that's too scary and too hard. And I am weak enough and I'm not smart enough. and I don't know how to do yeah. this. And we just cut dead center through the circle and go to the church leader every that single yes. time. Because the Holy Ghost, how do I know if it's the Holy Ghost or me? And if, if, but if the church leader can confirm it to me, then I can just rest easy. Then I can just, whew, okay, yes, I'm good. I'm still in. Yes. They say I'm good. I'm good. And everything's going to be fine. And yeah. Yes. And I, I, mm-hmm. and it's, a, I was, a, I remember ahead. hearing from multiple places, including one time, one of my visiting teacher people or minister, whatever they're called. Once the prophet, like once the prophet has spoken, the thinking is done. Like I have, I was told, ah. that, I was told that like outright in meetings, my, and my people just talked about how it's so great because once the prophet has spoken, we don't have to think anymore. We just follow the prophet and we're good. We're golden. Right. Right. Is, isn't this beautiful? No. No thinking. No, I know. It's so easy. <laughs> we, they can just tell us. Oh, it's oh just, a, yeah, it's just so, it's so, it's not okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I really, like anyone who's on the fence about this, like, that this is how it's that's how you get from a to b like that's why you feel so dependent on the church leader like the amount of people that i have known having a range of problems from a to z that are like well i need to talk to the bishop and i'm like but why how what insight is he gonna have that will let you know whether you should you know sell your house and move to Missouri. Like, oh, that was a bad example that actually happens in Mormonism. Mm-hmm. Sell your house and move to Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how, why, why, why are we going straight there? But it happens all, mm-hmm. the, all the time. time. Mm-hmm. All the time. Oh my God. Okay. I think we're on the last, last question, last question um, that was asked by the church. So the last question that was sent out was, what would my parents or church leaders say about this information. If or do I feel tempted to keep it from them? What does that tell me about its source? Yes, yeah, Sonia is covering her face in horror. I am. <laughs> For those of you who are can't see. Okay. Okay. The end of that question is the part that well, all of the question gets me. But I would rephrase that question to what does that tell you about your parents and church leaders? If you <laughs> Oh man. That's what? a thought. Listen, I know that there's like 72 people that were just like, oh my God. Okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, what does, if you. Because uh, you're you're right. It's a total truth, but it's such a hard truth. Yeah, oh what my does God. that tell you? Yeah. Like, if you feel like you can't come to your parents and your church leaders with any question or doubt or thought process that you're going through or what your heart is really trying to tell you or, or just sit with you while you try to sort through something difficult, like, what does that tell you about? them like it basically is that compliance obedience thing again like what are your parents going to think if they find out that you have this question what are your church leaders that's that's how it feels to me it might not feel that way to other people but that's kind of how it feels is like almost like what are you going to be doing to them if you if they know that you've come across this information and you're actually letting it sit in you and considering it and trying to and and questioning it and processing it and thinking for yourself about it and then it's like it almost feels like um fear-mongering to me well what are your parents gonna think Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
And if you feel like mm-hmm. hiding it from them, what does that say about the information? Again, vilifying the information, vilifying whoever you got the information from. And so I just think that is a really manipulative question. And that's how I'd reword that is say, what, what does it mean if you have, yeah, whatever it was I said at the beginning, not what does it mean about the information? What does it mean about your parents and church leaders? If you feel like you can't fully be yourself and be vulnerable and doubt and question. And that is really scary to yeah. me. It's just like, again, like comply, be obedient. You don't want to upset anyone. You don't want to. And, and just, I also don't like the idea of a teenager having to sit alone with a doubt or a question or something mm-hmm. that might be breaking their heart open or that might be really confusing. And like, if, if you think your parents going to be upset, you better keep it from them. And if you have to keep it from them, the information is wrong. and they're going to go into a shame spiral yeah. like, oh, I shouldn't have read this or I, I don't know. I'm, I'm so why am right. I questioning this? It's going to upset my parents. But and so that young person is going to be sitting alone in their room, maybe laying awake at night, processing it all alone because they can't go to another person and be vulnerable and be loved and held and free to think and to process and to mm-hmm. doubt and to to wonder and to question and to research and and to discuss. And so. That question just feels like, again, like cutting it off at the source. And it, it really does not feel like love to me. It does. I Like, what mm-hmm. does it say about your parent and your church leaders if you can't come to them with your honest thoughts and your honest searching and your honest questions as a teenager? It means yeah. you sit and think about it by yourself. And they're just, of course, going to go and like they not, of course, but they may it might throw them into that shame spiral again. So I don't know. It just feels very, yeah, it absolutely. feels very fear mongering and not like love. Yeah. And I have, oh God, I have like a firework going off in my head of 17 different things here. So I'm going to see if we can be coherent. Um, so yeah, shame cycle for sure. Like I wrote down shame and then that belief that has been a thread through this whole conversation. I am not to be trusted. Right. Like, what I think is, is wrong. I need to go to someone else and that may be my parents and that may be a leader, but like, I can't be trusted. And I want to say as far as like, what does that say about my parents and my church leaders? I agree with you a hundred percent. That being said, words do matter. So I want to put a nuanced clarification in here. And this is something that I've had to learn to deal with. Um, I think it's really easy to see the shortcomings and the flaws in other human beings. Um, our parents mm-hmm. always, and that is true for my children <laughs> seeing that in me, you know, um, it was, it was a lovely realization to be like, Oh, like I get upset. Cause you know, my parents did this, but or this, this or that. And I have totally fucked my kids up. Like, and now I have to fix it. But I, when I talk to people who are mm, standing in a different place Mm -hmm. than I'm standing, I can approach it in two ways. Like one, I can be like, oh, they're so, you know, unenlightened or uninformed, or they don't know what they're talking about, or they're toxic. And those could all be very, very true things, but that's not taking into account the reality of their situation, Mm -hmm. right? Like a parent who is unwilling to budge for a child may be someone who has extreme fear themselves 
and is fighting against it. And therefore they're going harder mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. their kids, right? Someone who was raised in a toxic environment, someone who has never learned to trust themselves. They don't have the mm-hmm. skill sets. So being able to look at your parents with understanding mm-hmm. and just a calm, like, I, this is not acceptable. However, I also completely understand mm-hmm. how this happened, <laughs> right? Like I can see where this is coming from so that we can come to the conclusion that you're saying without having to step into a place of toxic yes. judgment Thank that yep. is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think we need to be able to hold both. I think it's really important. And I know you well enough to know that that is exactly where you were coming from. Um because I know you're so big on like the hierarchy and, and the judgment and all of that. Yeah, and I wonder if a, a better um, way to phrase that question would be, who do you know that you feel safe talking to about this? Who Think, yeah, think of I like someone that. who you could go to. Is there a church leader or a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a cousin? You know what I mean? Like, who do you know that feels safe to go and have a conversation about this and discuss it with? So maybe that right. would be a better. Yeah. And I like that because that is a really good lesson for all of us to learn, teenager or not, is where is a safe space for mm-hmm. this information? This information is important to me or these questions mm-hmm. are vulnerable to me. And so I'm not going to just like if I know, let's say I've let's say I'm rolling around the idea of reincarnation mm-hmm. being a thing and it feels very personal and mm-hmm. sacred to me. I'm not going to go talk to my brother who I know thinks mm-hmm. it's the dumbest mm-hmm. thing in the entire world, even mm-hmm. though I love him dearly, who's going to just mock me. Well, he wouldn't mock me because he loves me. Yeah. But like who I know is going to be like, why would you think that? Right. Like I'm going to pick mm-hmm. a safe mm-hmm. person to have that conversation with because that is just how mm-hmm. you do people. Yeah. Right. That's just how like mm-hmm. peopling goes. And so, yeah, being like, OK, I have this information. Where is a safe space? Someone that's not going to try to push yes. me either way. That's going to help me like talk through this. That's going to be, you know, able to hold that space for me, whether they agree with me or not. Like, yeah, that's what we should be mm-hmm. looking for. I love that. And the other thing I want to add in here that just I'm seeing this pattern within the church right now. Um, I was surprised when the church came out with that switch in doctrine fairly recently about um the youth standards where they were like, we're going to take out the earrings and we're going to take out the tattoo rules and you should just use your best judgment. And immediately I was like, where's the catch? What is the catch? What is the catch? I know it's here somewhere. I'm just not seeing it. And uh, for those of you who say that that is a pessimistic view, when they stop proving me right, I will stop thinking like that. Um, So I couldn't find it because like the, the statement was just very straightforward. And then I had somebody send me, the list of questions that they had emailed to the parents without announcing it. No, Did you know this? Oh yeah. So apparently when this, when this came out, like use your best judgment, teenagers, like it's between you and God, teenagers, the parents were all sent a, how to deal with this pre-done form with like questions and everything of like, like when your teenager comes to you wanting a tattoo, oh, wow. Have asked them how, yeah, ask them, how do you think the Savior would feel about you doing that? Mm. Ask them, have you read your scriptures and pondered and prayed? Mm. Ask them, have you, like they, so they're trying to, yes, I know. So they're trying to make it look like, oh no, we trust you because that's a huge topic with Mm -hmm. the kids right now, right? 
they're, they're kicking back against that particular area. So they're like, no, we'll give you the power back. But then they don't. They went the back door and taught the parents, gave them the script to instill everything we've talked about, all the guilt, all the, the shame, shame, all of the questioning. Don't trust yourself. Considering it, like, yeah. 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 How would God feel? I want you to go sit in your room and imagine how Jesus would feel if he saw you with a tattoo on mm-hmm. your body, right? And so... Like, and this is what I'm seeing here too. So they've already started this over here and now they're pulling it over to this. This is a, this is a very clear tactic that they're using of like, what would my parents think? Like, and then they're telling the parents, this is how you manipulate and gaslight your child. Like, but we're going to say that it's And your church leaders, who are the ones who will approve of you if you're worthy or not? Like, what are they going to think? And so we're just seeking, and and who's seeking more approval from than teenagers? And I also just want to throw out really quickly, just so much empathy for the parents, because so much pressure is placed on them to keep your kids active in the church, make sure your son goes on a mission. And so they're in a difficult place too, where they're like, I remember when my when Mm -hmm. my son, one of my my middle son came to me and said, "I don't believe in God." I about felt I was like, "What have I done wrong?" how did I raise this child that does, is, right. I, I have a, a, a seven-year-old atheist now. What am I doing wrong? Like it, you just, so the parent, it puts the parents in a shame spiral too. Like, oh my gosh, my daughter's considering right. a tattoo or they have, they're questioning the church or maybe they don't want to go on a mission and all just that list of questions just feels like pressure for the parents. And I know it's meant to support. I think it's, they're, mm-hmm. they're trying to come in to support, but parents are under a lot of pressure to keep their kids on the straight and narrow, doing the right mm-hmm. things. And so I just want to throw out a little bit of empathy for the parents as well. Like, yes. It's a lot of absolutely. pressure. And pressure, pressure is an understatement yeah. in the Mormon <laughs> church. But it's, it is, well, not a lot of churches, but in the Mormon church, I'm just well, better acquainted with. And it is, it's like, if your children go, go astray, it's you. Oh, yeah. You did something wrong. And you will be held accountable for that wrongness, which is horrible. And again, what does it do? It makes sure that everyone becomes an enforcer. Yes. We're not. And that, yeah. In everyone is family, now an enforcer. My siblings mm-hmm. all left the church before me. And I watched my mom beat herself up for it. And I also watched them do mm-hmm. some really um, dysfunctional things to try to prevent it. Like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. That just drove disconnection in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So. And, and, but their hands were tied. Like, they're like mm-hmm. this is, yeah, it just, so there's a, when you are pressuring the parents yeah. and it just is, I have a lot of empathy because I watched my mom yeah. do it to herself. Like just the shame she felt yeah. and then enforcing mm-hmm. things to try to bribe or punish or, and thinking like, but it's for God, it's for the greater good. So this is okay. Yeah. It just creates a very toxic situation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I'm going to do, so that was the end of the questions that the church sent out to the, um, what ages would that be? Like 13 through 18, 14 through 18. Um, so I'm going to let you decide how you want to go forward to like moving towards wrapping this up. Um, Sonia has two different things here. So on her Instagram page, and I'm telling you, cause whichever one she picks, I want you to go look at the mm-hmm. other one. Um, so Sonia has two different things. Like one, she has a list of questions, um, printed out that she feels would have been healthier to have the church release to 
um, the high school students as questions for themselves. And then she went a step further and just redid the entire uh, lesson that was given in seminary around this to something that was much healthier, beautiful, and um, less toxic. So you can decide if you want to read one of them, if you want to go over the questions, or if you want to summarize. Um, and then we'll just wrap okay. up from there. I think I'll just read this lesson I wrote. I don't think it'll take it just but a few minutes. And it kind of incorporates the questions into it. I kind of tried to just like condense. And one thing I did do was okay. ask um, anyone who'd read the post to also contribute questions that they had. So I just, it, I felt like a group effort. Like, let's take this thing that is really deeply not resonating with us and does not feel like love and connection and turn it into something that does feel like love. So um, I just wrote a lesson. So I'm just going to read it exactly how I wrote it. And I wrote it as though I was standing in front of the students. I just said, hi, everyone. I'm thrilled you're here. And I'm thrilled to be a guide on our journey together in seminary this year. Today, I'm going to be going over an overview of what we're going to be learning. The gospel or the good news is this. You are worthy as you are. You are loved as you are. Worth and love are unconditional. They are your birthright. Neither your worth or the love offered to you can be taken or given, earned or lost. You came here with the maximum amount of it, and it flows inside of you. Unfortunately, there are people, systems, and institutions that will try to convince you that your worth and love must be proven, earned, or qualified for outside of yourself. They gain an exceeding amount of power and money and cause immense harm to everyone. Today, I'm going to be giving you a list of questions to help you to discern what ideas, thoughts, beliefs, and teachings help you live from the infinite abundance of worth you already have, instead of those who will tell you to work constantly for, because you have a scarcity of it. You are sovereign. We'll be using this word a lot this year, and it means that you contain the power and wisdom and authority to unfold into the truest, most beautiful version of yourself. Your sovereignty is what will be your guide. Civil rights leader Howard Thurman called this sovereignty the sound of the genuine in you. In her book, The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, she often refers to this sovereignty as our natural intelligence. Beloved poet Mary Oliver referred to it as the soft animal of your body. And Jesus referred to your sovereignty as living water, and his work was to teach people how to uncover it in themselves and live from it. When we connect to this flow of living water, we connect ourselves to the living water of every other human being. And it's from this connection that we are able to truly love our neighbors as ourselves. Howard Thurman said that if, if I hear the sound of the genuine in me, and if you hear the sound of the genuine in you, it is possible for me to go down into myself and come up in you so that when I look at myself through your eyes, having made that pilgrimage, I see you in me. Then the wall that separates and divides will disappear and we will become one. You'll hear the sound of the genuine, tap into your natural intelligence, feel the soft animal of your body, and drink from the spring of living water through your own human body. And this is what makes our body a highly sophisticated truth-telling machine that will guide you throughout your life as you learn to radically love, trust, accept, befriend, and listen to it. Your body is 100% Team You. Author Cole Arthur Riley said, 
my journey to the to the truth of God cannot be parsed from my journey to the truth of who I am. A fidelity to the true self is a fidelity to the truth, and I will not apologize for this. Our journey to the truth of who we are is the most thrilling and important journey we can take in our lifetime, and together we are going to learn how to cultivate a fidelity to this truth without apology. I can't wait to walk alongside of you on this epic adventure we're taking this year. Here's some questions that we'll be using throughout the year to discern our fidelity to the truthfulness of ideas, messages, teachings, and beliefs that you'll encounter all throughout your life. And we'll be using these questions throughout the year in all of our discussions. Question number one, does it feel like love? What are its fruits? Number two, does it expand your capacity to love your neighbor or contract it to only those who look or think like you? Does it help you to see yourself and others through a lens of love and compassion or through a lens of fear and judgment? Number four, does it help you recognize and honor our shared humanity or fear our differences? Five, does this information encourage you to move toward, sit with, deeply listen to and mourn with those who mourn your neighbor? Or does it encourage you to avoid them? When your body is feeling still and calm and regulated, how does it feel about this information? Does this information affirm your worth and the worth of your neighbor, your unconditional worth, or does it ask you to earn, prove, and qualify for it? Does this information threaten or diminish your worth? Number eight, does it connect you to and ask you to trust sovereignty to discern or does it demand your trust and loyalty be given to outer authority? Does it place you or your body above others on a hierarchy? Or does your, also, does your place in the hierarchy require that others remain below you? Number 10, does this information protect those with the most power and privilege or those with the least? Number 11, does this information uphold systems of oppression or subvert them? And I have just one final note before we end our lesson today. Throughout your life, you will become lost to your connection to the truest, most beautiful version of yourself. Remembering and forgetting and remembering again with self-compassion rather than shame and guilt are an important part of this process. Mary Oliver said it best when she wrote, you don't have to be good. You don't have to walk for a hundred miles on your knees through the desert repenting. You just have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. In other words, you don't have to be good because you already are. This year, you'll learn to trust the goodness in you and live from it. I love that. And I don't want to add anything to it because I think it will just take away from it. So we're going to wrap it up with that and those beautiful thoughts. Sonia, thank you so much for thank coming you. back and talking to me today. I've loved every second of it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider taking the time to like, rate, review, and share. Let's make sure that when someone clicks on this podcast, that our voices are the loudest. Love you all. Once was a woman who lost her way. She wandered through thickets and thorns. They told her a 
was naught but the price of finding her soul again. Silent, she was silent, but she'll carry her pain no more. Silent, she was silent, but she'll carry her pain.